0: Are we doing steppers. We're back with another episode of the Directed Steps podcast based on Proverbs 16:9 that says a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Would you rather be stepping in your own steps or would you rather be stepping in the Lord's steps? This is the seventh episode of the Directed Steps podcast, and I got my buddy Ishmael with me. You want to introduce yourself, Ishmael?
1: What up, guys? My name is Ishmael. I'm a good friend of Dylan. We serve together in a church, and um, yeah.
0: Yeah, so we met. I don't know, back in October. I think we were doing some activity with the church and I think he was doing that dance that us Christians do if we don't know if somebody's a believer or not. And I know Ishmael, he's got the gift of evangelism. So he was hitting me with some questions and I was like, trying not to be rude. I was like, hey man, I'm saved. But like, I also wanted to answer his questions. You know, as we've gotten to know each other, we've grown as brothers and watching him in his leadership role and seeing how he operates in discipleship, it's been a privilege to walk alongside with him and talk about things of the Lord together. As I've been doing this podcast, in the back of my mind, I was like, man, I want to get Ishmael on the podcast. I asked him a month or two ago, and I think one of the first things he he mentioned and what he wanted to talk about on the podcast was masculinity. And I was like, you know what? This is a hot topic. So I was like, let's do it, man. I think we're going through this phase of, you know, there's a feminine man or toxic masculinity, but... I think it's just important to talk about what is a biblical man, what is biblical masculinity. So we're going to get in that discussion today. As you know, on the Directed Steps podcast, we always get into some interesting thing on the web, like statistics or quotes. And today, I got a statistic for us. According to a 2016 study called The Decline of the Manly Man by todayugov.com. Out of 1,000 American male surveyors, less than a third or 30% of the men between the ages 18 to 29 reported feeling completely masculine on a scale of 1 to 6, whereas at the ages closer to retirement, it's more towards the 65% that feel completely masculine on a scale of 1 to 6. The study also mentioned the increase of men staying home to take care of children as well. Why do we think masculinity is dropping in our country today? There could be several factors that have influenced our society on the subject, like fatherlessness in the home, or simply boys are just not being pushed the same way that they have used to in our society, and that is to be the priest, provider, and protector in their family and the leader in the community. In this conversation, we're gonna discuss a bit about Ishmael's story on how he has learned and is continuing to learn how to be a biblical man, and what it is and is not to be a biblical man. Proverbs 24 verse five says, "'A wise man is strong, Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. This verse isn't shallow regarding just physical strength. It's deeper than just physical strength. The Hebrew word for strength in this verse's original context is Oze. Oze, that's how you would pronounce it. Strong's definition of this word strength has various applications, which are force, security, majesty, and praise. A wise man is forceful in a sense that he takes physical action when necessary. A wise man is secure in who he is as a man, and willing to make the vulnerable secure around him. A wise man is majestic in a sense that he is impressive in his dignity and character. A wise man is willing to live a life that is praiseworthy to the Lord Jesus. A wise man is to be strong when things are difficult, and he should endure the difficult things of life with a purpose. As men, we should be willing to face these difficult things of life, and the more we pursue these difficulties, the stronger we are in the faces of these difficulties. The greatest thing about this is that we don't have to face these difficulties alone. Paul says in Romans 8 31, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? When we are walking with the Lord, we can have a confidence that he who puts these difficulties before us has put them there for a purpose and can be used for our growth and his glory. So, Ishmael, I know I just said a lot, but do you have any thoughts on that statistic or anything that I just mentioned on this topic of masculinity?
1: Yeah, if we just even taking the time and look back into the beginning of the bible with the fall of man from the beginning when sin was first revealed that is kind of what started everything and you'll notice when adam decided to not lead in aspects of the fruit from the tree and then you could see that kind of carrying on you can see women now being the ones that are taking more of the lead for man. And this was the continuous generational thing that started way back from the beginning when sin was first created. And so because of that, I'm not surprised. I mean, if anything, Revelation refers it back to, it's just gonna get worse and worse. This is gonna continuously to happen and it's saddening because from my viewpoint, our world is becoming more and more less of what the way Christ calls it to be.
0: I'm glad that you brought that story up in Genesis because It has continually regressed since then. And as we see in American culture from the inception of America to now, like the masculinity just looks completely different. So Ishmael, I ask this question to every guest that comes on the Directed Steps podcast. I think it's interesting to see how, you know, the Lord directs people's steps to salvation in Jesus. So I'd be glad to hear your story.
1: No, yeah. Thanks for asking. Just to root back to even my own childhood, why I wanted to talk about this was because in my life, I didn't have a father. I didn't have a male, in a sense, to look up to. Matter of fact, I looked to to the complete opposite. I grew up in a very violent home where I saw nothing but abuse, uh, not only between me and my sister, but amongst my mother as well, to where the house was sad. There was nothing but negativity going on, a lot of crying, a lot of screaming, and that kind of traumatized me throughout my whole life. And eventually, years down the road, I I end up living in the streets with my mother with nothing to eat, with no clothes to really live uh, off of. And I remember just being made fun of because of it. I remember just being bullied a lot. And all I could just think about was going way back when I wasn't a man enough to protect my mother. I wasn't man enough to step up in a household. I remember being mocked. I remember being made fun of by him who abused my mother, saying I was never going to to amount to that. And so all my life, I always lived with this expectation that I was never going to go through the pain that I once went through. And that followed into the rest of my life to where I was living with a lot of anger, a lot of sin per se. And that didn't change until I went to college to where I really heard about who Jesus Christ was. And I really saw the way he called us to live our life, what he did on the cross for my own pain, for my own sin. That's the reason why he died for it. And so ever since then, my life changed and that really just changed my viewpoint on life and even my own past, which has now resulted into me living off of one thing, and one thing only, which is to proclaim the gospel mm, and amen. what Jesus did in my life.
0: That's so encouraging and I'm so thankful that you brought up the fact that you struggle with your masculinity on your way coming up and maybe you were looking towards some things that would have made you a man in the world at the time when you didn't have Jesus but when you found him then you realize all these things were distorted and and wrong and that Christ has a better way for you to live your life. I think about John 14 6 when Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no one could come to the Father except through me. You can't come to the Father through your good works. You can't come to the Father through anything else other than the Lord Jesus. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and he is the one who is paid for your sin on the cross. And you just have to be humble enough to admit that you have wronged him. And once you do that, you are his for eternity. So now we're gonna get into this discussion on masculinity. My first question to you is, what did you think being a man was before you knew Jesus?
1: I think for me, being a man meant being tough being a man meant not to carry a a weight or show a weight on my shoulders but to be somebody that was rock solid that couldn't walk around with any sort of humility you know being a football player i always looked at it as a man should carry a whole lot of pride about himself and that should reflect the rest of his life a man was somebody who would be very strict be very almost like mean in a sense. I felt like that's exactly what I thought a man would should have been based off of my upbringing and and what I thought was the societal way.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting how you're articulating that and what you thought of being a man was before you met Jesus. First John 2 16 that says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, it is not of the father, but is of the world. That sort of manliness is not from God. It is purely from the world. All the things that I thought about being a man before I knew Jesus was wrapped in, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I thought being a man was being with more girls than the next guy, and I found some worth as a man with that as my identity, but this was the lust of the flesh. I thought that having a cool car or the cool shoes or having all the influential people in my circle was what it meant to be a man, but this was the lust of the eyes. I thought having more money than the next guy or being stronger than the next guy, or this is a big one, never asking anyone for help because I believed the lie that I was strong enough to do everything on my own was what it meant to be a man. All these examples of manhood that I just mentioned are from the world and not from the father. A lot of the world's definition of what it means to be a man are going to be methods that gain instant gratification for the here and now that will leave you empty in the long run. My next question for you is how much of a role did the men in your life construct or distort your view on masculinity?
1: Yeah, a lot. One of the key things key men in my life did was point me to Jesus as the example. How did Jesus model a true man? I would start with just the biggest thing would be humility. Keep in mind, as we as we both know, Jesus is Lord. He came down and had the nerve to get spit on, to get mocked, to get whipped. At the end of the day, he took the time to feed people when... We should have been one giving him food. I mean, just the complete opposite. And Jesus decided to just to come here and serve. And I feel like Jesus was the perfect model in which men in my life pointed me to see what is a true biblical man. Jesus was somebody who was slow to anger. Jesus was gentle. Jesus was loving and he considered people his own children a way more important in a sense himself. And so I think these were key men in my life that were believers, uh, one of them being a pastor. allowed me to live in his home for about a year and a half or so and discipled me allowed me to live in a Christian family that I had never seen before and showed me how to lead a household showed me how to take care of his wife and his daughter and every time I would ask him why he did this why he did that the only person he could point to was scripture and what Jesus did
0: I'm thinking about how you said every biblical leader in your life pointed you back to Jesus and I would question their motives if they weren't trying to That is the point of the Biblical manhood, is trying to reflect Christ and the life that he lived. And I'm thinking about you know, maybe some of the people out there that have the men in your life, like you mentioned how you you struggle with the male roles in your life, the people who have corrupted their view on what it means to be a man. The reason I asked this question was to stress how important the role of fathers, uncles, mentors, or whatever male figures are in our lives. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them, rather bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. This is a biblical command for fathers. Of course, parents are going to fail and fall short, but we see the results of this when sons are not raised in discipline and instruction from the Lord. It's a lot of untangling, harmful ideologies that boys cling on to and what makes them to be a man. That they learn from other men in their lives, their friends that are still boys, or from what culture tells them in the media. I could sit here and say that fathers should do this and that all day to build their boys into biblical men, but the reality is, is that a lot of boys have dealt with problematic fathers or male leadership roots. This doesn't mean that these boys are doomed and there is an amazing promise in the Bible that young men can trust to. And I believe that's in Psalm 27, 10 that says, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. The Lord is speaking to me through his word on how to be a biblical man, has truly taken care of me in my own life. There are some things I'm working through to this day. on am becoming a man that I'm still surrendering to the Lord, like having low self-esteem or being confident as a leader. But the affirmation that I get through his word has grown me to be the man that God is creating me to be today. The Holy Spirit has given me a desire for the things of a biblical man, like a thirst for righteousness, a heart to serve others, the desire to have fidelity in marriage, etc. Not to mention the healing that I've received from the Lord to reconcile with the lies that I've been taught. And yeah, I'm just thankful for, like you said, like the leaders in my life that have shown me what it is to live a Christ-like life. Because those people have been the ones that have pointed me in the right direction, pointed me to the word instead of what culture says. So my next question for you is what were some, you know, misconceptions or preconceived notions that you may have struggled to let go of as you came to Jesus about masculinity? Like, what are some things that some young men today may be struggling with? And I don't know, what are some things that you did to let go of those things that these young men may be struggling with about their masculinity?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing would be my pride. I think knowing that we're called to just, in a sense, think highly of ourselves. Like, those are the things I would think of even just the uh the concept of sexual sin. I remember being on a high school football team and I would sit around with these group of men and I remember we would want to talk about sexual things about people from the opposite sex and it was almost like if you didn't want to talk about those things I remember when I came out like the Christ I'm sitting in a car and I mean I'm getting questioned am I gay am I am I uh, is there something wrong with me? I just remember sitting there like am I am I not a man anymore cuz I don't want to talk about things of the world? Even my own pride, I remember living in a house and one of the things I always wanted to do was stand strong in my opinion. I wanted to be right. And I think that's one of the common things. It's stand true to what you believe in and that's it. But but I think there could be a big arrogance about that. If you look at scripture, it's the complete opposite. Scripture would say that we should not think highly of ourselves, that we should boast in our weaknesses.
0: I think one of the things that you brought up that hit me heavy was how you talked about sexual sin and how that somehow correlates to being a man in today's society is that you can get with as many girls as possible. Not only that, but like being addicted to pornography and letting that be something that defines you as a man is like, it's something to boast about. But I think it'd be interesting to talk about some of the negative effects on what has pornography done to it, like our manliness. One of the things that can cause an effect into that is
1: how we treat our women. I think scripture calls us to take care of our wives in a loving manner, to be Mm -hmm. gentle, to be loving. You know, even scripture says that we should leave our household before we even think about hopping into any sort of leadership in the church. Yeah. But I think nowadays with the effects of sexual sin and watching it even just pornography, you can see the complete opposite in that. You can hear of countless men in studies that grew up with some sort of sexual abuse or some sort of sexual trauma to where that kind of carried on into their own independent lives to where they would act on it on their own and then you would just see the results of that.
0: I think I would just like show up objectify women and I think it would even make me struggle at talking to women because having sexual pleasure was so easy. I think another thing that was a struggle for me to let go of is like being passive or being a yes man. We have to be okay with telling people no. Most of the time when it's something sinful, I know the guys in the world, they would want me to go do things and I'd be tempted to say yes, but I have to stand strong and say no. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that as well.
1: I would add on another word to that. Like I would think of the word laziness. Yeah, I think that is a big contribution into a lot of areas of sexual sin. We try to find things that will comfort us in a sinful manner. And the result of that is we just don't care anymore. I think overall, we will fall into pornography, thinking that's what's going to satisfy us. And because of that, it'll just kind of leave you with this emotionless action, or the way we would carry ourselves when we're when we're living in pornography. We kind of just want to sit back and just not care anymore. We don't care about taking care of our families. We don't mm-hmm. care about leading. Why? Like, why should we when we could just run mm-hmm. to the things of the world that are going to satisfy
0: us? Something that I'm getting out of this conversation right now is like. What kind of legacy are we leaving behind as men? I feel like a lot of men right now are caring about the here and the now, but what is it that is going to help us to flourish a family that is God-fearing and building up warriors, and when I say warriors, I mean children, who are going to carry out God's word for the rest of the time we have here on earth, investing into what is important for our legacy, for God's glory, instead of what's gonna give us pleasure in the here and now. Are we constantly striving to be pleasure seekers or are we dying to ourselves for God's glory on a daily basis so that we can glorify him tomorrow instead of pleasing ourselves today? To summarize
1: what you're saying, uh, this is like a one verse that's always been foundational, just something I, I try to live out by. It says in Acts 20, 24, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great way to summarize this conversation. Romans 12, two, very popular verse. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Just because somebody else is doing this doesn't mean that we have to do it. As Christians, we're called to be different and we have to be okay with being different and being glad that we are different we don't have to be someone who always is caring about what everybody thinks just doing what the lord has put on our hearts and striving for that i think is super important based on that verse in romans 12 2 that i just mentioned as you began to conform your mind less and less to the world and you started to be transformed by the renewal of your mind what fruit have you seen in your life from biblical masculinity and what do you see the lord potentially doing with your future as you apply his principles as a man the Lord
1: has just given me overall sense of confidence. Another one would would simply be, the Lord has put me at a platform to point other people to what biblical masculine men should be. As the Lord does his work in my life, I'm able to pour that into others. And I think that's the beautiful thing about the gospel. It's not a matter of what we've done, but it's what Christ has done in us.
0: Also another thing I kind of want to bring up, you're engaged now, yeah. right? As men, we're supposed to pursue marriage in a certain fashion. How is the Lord pruning you to be the man that you're called to be in marriage today? And what kind of measures are you taking now to prepare yourself to be the man that you are supposed to be as a husband? I'll just say, one of the things the Lord has revealed to me, I think in my
1: life would be putting others before myself. I mean, if I were to go ahead and pull up a cartoon right now, majority of the men in the household are these big beer-bellied guys sitting on the couch watching a TV. And honestly, after a long day at work, us men want to kind of do the same thing. But instead, I've been challenged to to actually get up and lead my wife, lead the future family Mm -hmm. into a Christ-centered family. The next one would definitely be not being content. It's so easy for Christian families to just go to church on Sunday and to just be like, okay, cool. That's what we did. And we're good to go. But me and Katie, we have a purpose in life, which is to share the gospel. How can we Mm -hmm. do that together? And it starts with me taking a step where the head goes, the flock will follow.
0: Yes, it's hard, but that's the thing that we're supposed to do. Like you said earlier, like laziness is so appealing to the mind. But when we're lazy, we fall asleep and we lose out on the harvest of what God is calling us to in our lives. So I just appreciate what you're doing. And you're giving an example for the other guys in our church. I just want to commend you for what you're doing in that i think about my own life as i'm being transformed by the renewal of my mind i've been just desiring to gain new skills so i can be a provider i think that's something i'm convicted about right now is like we're just trying to work hard hit the ground running so i can be that for the people that i have in my life so ishmael we're in our last question during this conversation of biblical masculinity did you think of something big conversation that you may like to add to this discussion that you didn't get the chance to the biggest thing
1: is knowing that we are not perfect every day we will fall short romans says that very clear i think there's a big misconception that we have to be perfect i think on top of that though there could be a big misconception about our topic right now into thinking that we are head of everything to where women have no say so to where women are like our puppets and that's not the case at all you know scripture makes it very clear that we are definitely in a lot of trouble if we are not even seeking our wife's counsel we're all gifted in certain ways even for my fiance i mean she's incredibly gifted in administrative stuff and man when it comes to planning when it comes to task and just keeping organized i'm definitely sometimes a mess when it comes to it and she's constantly guiding me and lifting me up to help me in that way and i think overall that's how it should be a man should be somebody that doesn't try to figure out all on his own i want to just finish off if somebody's sitting here today and is looking for just an overall summary of what what is a man how do i know if i'm living up to that standard there's a couple of verses as as men maybe there's a man out there who's in church right now who's struggling with what direction to take and maybe some of these might might hit you every man should in a sense inspire to be some sort of leader in the church some sort of elder and later on in titus it simply says that we must be faithful we shouldn't be arrogant or quick-tempered we shouldn't be a heavy drinker violent or dishonest with money as men even though we're the primary financial guy that doesn't mean that should be our only motivation that we shouldn't be greedy we should be trustworthy and most importantly we should
0: be able to teach god's word what you just said was so good man We're gonna get into the call to action now. I mentioned this briefly in the introduction, but as men, we should strive to be the priest, provider and protector of our homes. A lot of us can be in different stages of manhood, but I believe it's critical to evaluate where you are in these areas of being a priest, provider and protector of your home. You may be like me and you're not there yet. I don't have a home to be the priest provider and protector of and in that case I'm on the pursuit of training myself to be the man that can be the priest that can be the provider that can be the protector of a home through reading God's Word being engaged in discipleship working with other men and working diligently with what I'm responsible of so what does it mean to be the priest of your home it means that you are a leader in the faith Ephesians 5 25 talks about leading your wives spiritually by saying husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. And Solomon also says to his son. So this is talking about raising children. And Proverbs 3:11 that says, "My child." Don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. Those are some good scriptures to connect to being a priest in the home. And then what does it mean to be a provider? It means that as a man, you were able to financially support your people and do what you say you were going to do. A lot of men are great at talking, but when it comes to action, are they actually doing it? First Timothy 5.8 talks about the severity of a man that does not provide by saying, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That verse is no joke. But if we are called to take care of the least of these and we can't even take care of our families, then that is a problem. And then lastly, what is a protector? It means you're to guard your people from harm physically, mentally, and emotionally at all costs. Of course, we are all gonna go through pain in life. That's inevitable, and the Lord permits that. But as men, we should protect our people, which means avoiding dangerous scenarios or confronting the problems when needed. In 1 Timothy 620, Paul commands Timothy to guard with what God has allowed him to shepherd in his life by saying, Timothy, guard what God has entrusted you. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. As men, God has given us a responsibility to be the leaders of the vulnerable around us. And as men, we should take this world seriously by being the priest, provider, and protector for our families and the vulnerable around us. So that is the end of this discussion on masculinity. Ishmael, thank you for coming in and you know, if you want to give a little outro.
1: Definitely thank you for allowing me to be here for those who are listening right now. If you're, you have no idea where to start, I'd encourage you just to uh, just start with Jesus. You know, if you're listening to this right now and you're like, I grew up in a Christian home, or maybe I, I've never heard of Jesus. I'd just encourage you just to spend some time in prayer and um, just call out to him. I think that's where the, the, all this starts. It doesn't start by what we do, but starts about, you know, who does the work inside of us and it's yeah. with him. And so and for those who are listening and, and are believers, but they're like, I'm falling short in every single one of this, I'd encourage you not to be discouraged. But I think just remind yourself of what Jesus said in Matthew. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven.
0: That's the word. go out to him. So we're going to get into the agenda for the next upcoming podcast. We got... My guy, Steve, he is the leader of a young adults ministry at our church, and it's going to be a great conversation on discipleship. Really looking forward to that one. It's always a blessing to be in the Directed Steps podcast with God's people reading God's word. This is your host, Dylan Tuttle. Peace, guys. The Directed Steps podcast is brought to you by Pixabay royalty-free music and Bible translations such as the New Living Translation and the New King James Version. Thank you for listening.